All right, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. When I got out of college, I spent nine months in Far East Russia as a missionary. I was based in the town, a city of Habarovsk, about 700,000 people. And one day I was walking through the center of the city with an older Christian man. And he stopped me at one point and he said, hey, you see that building there? I said, yeah. He said, that's where the KGB used to take us to uh, interrogate us, beat us, and warn us about telling people, uh, against telling people about Jesus. Now, I'd read about this growing up, but there I was. What? Really? Uh, and he said, yeah, they took my dad there multiple times. They beat him. They had tried to intimidate him. They warned him about uh, conducting church services in his home and about uh, sharing the gospel with people in our city. But my father was courageous, and he wouldn't back down, and he just kept being faithful. And I was, I was like, this is, this is amazing. And there were men and women uh, still alive in the little Russian Baptist church that I was uh, partnered with um, who had undergone real persecution because of their faith. A couple of years ago, I got to go back to Russia. This time I went to Irkutsk, and uh, there I met a pastor, just uh, not much older than I, and he said, uh, after we became kind of friends, before I went home, he said, you know, um, I'm ashamed about something. I said, what's that? He said, you know, uh, in the early 90s when Glasnost hit and uh, Russia, Russian society opened up to the gospel, myself and, and others my age, we did not seize the day. Frankly, uh, we, we were afraid that this was just a trick by the uh, NKVD at that time to draw us out into the open, get names, uh, take names, and then persecute us. And so we weren't as bold as we could have been. And, and he said, frankly, I feel like I'm trying to make up for lost time. Of course, I was humbled by this, right? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. No, I don't. Because we live in a, in a country in which uh, we have freedom. Look at us. Here we are in a public school proclaiming Christ. Uh, our, our country has never um, kind of officially come down on us. Of course, uh, right now, um, there are, do, do seem to be quite a bit of moves made to limit, certainly uh, limit our, our witness to more of the private realm, right? There's this, so the, the public space that we're uh, increasingly trying to be excluded from, and then you have the private space. And I noticed in our um, memory verse for, for this, month. Read that again. Every day in the temple, public arena, and from house to house, private, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is, that uh, the, the Christ is Jesus. Public, we need to be bold both in the public uh, sphere and in the private sphere. But so, uh, even though we don't live under uh, a regime that tries to suppress the gospel, um, the fact of the matter is, We've all encountered, if you've been bold and talked to people about Jesus, you have encountered some level of persecution, some attempts to muzzle you and your testimony for Christ, whether it's the awkward silence or the, hey, two things we do not talk about in this house, religion and politics, right? Um, or the, uh, man, you are like a, a Jesus weirdo. Uh, or you get, uh, you, you have that sense, I'm, I'm being... Uh, not being invited to the, the best parties and the important meetings. I'm getting passed over for promotion because uh, people don't like 
um, my worldview. They don't like my testimony for Jesus. And so um, we, we struggle with that um, pressure to be silent. And that's what we want to talk about today. How do we respond? In our Bible story today, uh, the apostles Peter and John are pressured to be silent. And their response is very instructive uh, for us. So um, turn in your Bibles if you, uh, to Acts chapter 4. Last week we saw Peter and John, or I should say the risen Lord Jesus, through Peter, healed a man who had been crippled from birth. So crippled that he had to be carried each day to the uh, beautiful gate of the temple. There he was a beggar, and yet uh, Christ ra uh, raised him up, strengthened his legs, instantaneously he was walking around, jumping around, praising God. And of course, this provided uh, a platform for Peter and John to share about Jesus because people wanted to know, what's going on here? How did this happen? And so they said, hey, it's Jesus uh, who was crucified. He's alive and he is uh, powerfully at work in our world. People were interested. The religious leaders were threatened. And so uh, they arrested Peter and John, put him in jail that night so they couldn't you know, make any more disturbance. And the next day, um, they brought him before the religious leaders. They had uh, the, the powerful, the influential had gathered to interrogate Peter and John. And they demanded, uh, in what authority do you do this? Who's given you authorization to perform these miracles? And they said, well, if you're wanting to know how this guy was healed, it was Jesus. We pick up the story in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Now the first thing I want to point out is there are always some who are threatened by the message that Jesus is the risen Lord. And who's threatened by that? Well, anybody who wants to be king. And anybody who doesn't want Jesus to be king. Because if Jesus is alive from the dead, if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the son of the living God, if he will return someday to judge and to reward, well then, he has the rights to call the shots in the private and the public realm. And there are people who don't like that. Entire governments throughout the ages who have said, we can't stomach that message. That is, uh, will undermine us and our power. That's what's happening here. The religious leaders, one, you know, the thing I find so fascinating about this, uh, one of the things is that 
They don't seem to be interested in answering the question, is this true or not? That doesn't seem to be their interest. All they seem to be worried about is we're going to lose power if Jesus is proclaimed. I don't want to, we do not want to lose power, therefore silence them. There are, there are people in your life who are threatened by the message that Jesus is the risen Lord. Unfortunately, it might be somebody really close to you, like a spouse or a parent or a child, and they will seek to silence. Well, Peter and John could have avoided persecution if they would have just been muzzled, allowed themselves to be muzzled. In the next chapter, they are beaten because they refuse to be silent. They continue to talk about Jesus. A little later, they're imprisoned. And as we know, uh, most of the apostles lost their lives because they refused to be silenced. But if they had just agreed not to talk anymore about Jesus, not to tell anybody that he is the Messiah, that he's alive from the dead, and that he has rights to rule, well, if they had just been silent, they would have not been persecuted. And that is the great temptation, isn't it? We all know that. If I'm just a quiet Christian, if I just don't say anything, I won't get the blowback. I won't have to endure the ostracism, the pressure, the awkwardness. Third thing I want to point out is that uh, those who are uh, those who seek to silence the gospel are fighting God. That's what Peter points out here in verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Actually, there was no need to judge. Uh, the Jewish faith had already decided this. Part of the, the, some of their heroes were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jeremiah. Uh, men who had defied earthly kings in order to obey God. And so Peter and John are, are pointing this out. Guys, you know just as well as we do that you, we must always obey God first. There is no legitimate authority on earth that can, can, there's, that can silence us. Now we are told, obey government until government tells us to disobey God. And then we rightfully Say, no, thank you. Uh, children are to obey their parents until their parents tell them, disobey God. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Wiser to submit to their husbands unless a husband is saying, disobey God. There's no legitimate authority that can silence us. Fourth point I want to make is that... Uh, Sharing your personal story is a very effective way to preach Jesus. Look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Uh, Peter and John had encountered the risen Lord Jesus. They had a story to tell, and they're like, we got to talk about him. He's amazing. Plus, he had commanded them, as uh, Greg mentioned to us, go into all the world. And that, you know, that applies to us as well. God has given us the responsibility to share. But here's what I want to encourage you today. Um, you have a story. 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you have encountered the risen Lord Jesus, and, he, and he's done something for you. He's made a difference in your life. You have something to testify to. If you don't, well, we got another question, don't we? And so uh, today, though, today can be the day that, that your story with the risen Lord begins. And so you can have something to share. And um, in your bulletins today, everyone should have, re- there should be a couple, uh, it's basically how to prepare. It's a little uh, worksheet that says how to prepare and share your story. And if you have not done this before, I want to really encourage you to take the time to uh, write down your testimony and get the elevator version down. So you can share it in 90 seconds or in three minutes or five minutes. You can, if you get it down to the bare bones, then you can, uh, then you can always expand it if people are, are curious, right? And it's very simple. You see the format is very simple. It's my life before Christ, how I came to Christ, and my life after Christ. Or if, like, if you're like I, and you uh, became a Christian at a young age and weren't really into drugs at the age of five, then you say, you know, my life before I fully surrendered to Christ, how I fully surrendered my life to Christ, and the difference it made, right? But we need to, my challenge, the Bible says, uh, be prepared to give an answer for the reason uh, for the hope that is within you. Be prepared. And so my uh, homework today, go home, and this week, if you've never done this before, uh, take the time to uh, write out your personal story, commit it to memory, so that when you have an opportunity, you don't fumble, right? You can, bam, uh, just hit that. Final point I want to make, but I'm going to sit on this for a little bit. And it's this, when we are silent, people suffer. When we're silent, people suffer. Let me read verses 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When we're silent, people suffer because we have the message of eternal life. We are the, God has, in, has, has chosen to save the world through the uh, message of his people. As Romans says, how are they going to believe unless they hear, and how are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? You and I are the ones who are to tell. And if we're silent, other people won't know how to get reconciled to God. They won't know how to get saved. And that is eternal suffering. And so the challenge to us is, are we willing to suffer uh, in this life so that others may live for all time? Let me look at this metaphor a little bit more. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Cornerstone is a... uh, Virtually all the houses uh, in, in Israel were built out of stone, very little wood there, and all kind, lots, of, lots of rocks. But they would always select the cornerstone that was the intersection of two walls, so it was architecturally very important. And what uh, Peter is telling the religious leaders of Jerusalem is, you examined Jesus, 
and you rejected him. And you are building a religious house, but God's no longer in it. When you rejected Jesus and when you started building your spiritual house, your religious house, apart from the Messiah, you need to understand God's building a house and it's, it's, it's built on Jesus. And you're building your own house and God's not a part of it. And uh, God is not building the Muslim house. He's not building the Hindu house. He's not building the Mormon house. He's not building the Baha'i house. There is only one house that God is building, and it's the house where Jesus Christ is the foundation. And you want to be, and I want to be a rock in that house. I want the rock of my life resting on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And to make it to sort of spike the point, he just says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The message, uh, the Christian message, is an exclusive message. But it's not a, it doesn't mean it's an unloving message because Jesus is for all people. But, but if anybody tells you, uh, you know what, what matters in sincerity as long as you are a sincere Buddhist, that's okay. As long as you're a sincere Hindu, that's okay. There are many paths to God. God is at the top of the mountain, and you can get up the mountain many different ways. That's not biblical. The Bible says there is one cornerstone, uh, and it's Jesus Christ, and God is building his house on Jesus. Are you in the house that God is building? Uh, that is the most important question for all of us in life, period. And there should be no ambiguity in your mind and heart. Have you repented of your sins and have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you following him? Are you seeking to obey all that he has commanded? Yes or no? And if the answer is no, uh, then you need to do business with God today. But he says, uh, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Open the door, I'll come in and I'll sup with you. It's not, it's not difficult. It's simply a choice of the will. And if you will open your life to God today, uh, he will come in and have fellowship with you because of his son, Jesus Christ. We cannot be silent because there are people that we know and love and rub shoulders with every day that God has ordained for you and for me to tell the message of salvation. Are we willing to suffer? One thing I've become convinced of over time is that the gospel goes out through the willing choice of his people to suffer. We have to say, I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to suffer the awkward silence. I'm willing to take the risk of being rejected. Let me conclude with uh, two stories. Uh, the first one is uh, from a guy named Jerry Savelle in his book, Sharing Jesus Effectively. And uh, he said I, uh, there was this um, inebriated Navy guy sitting on a, a bench. And I, I sat down beside him and, and I engaged him in conversation. I said, can I, uh, can I share something with you? And the guy's like, sure, go ahead. He said, I want to share with you about Jesus. And immediately this Navy guy said, 
got up and he said, I don't want to hear about Jesus. And he heads off. And uh, so Jerry starts following him. May I follow you and walk with you? And he said, yes, just don't talk to me about Jesus. And he said, so I told him about the apostle Paul (laughs) and how Paul put his faith in Christ. And he said, the guy changes directions. He starts going the other way. And I said, can I still walk with you? Yes, just don't talk to me about Jesus or Paul. And he said, okay. I told him about Peter. And the guy just kept, yeah, he would change directions. Wow, look at that. And uh, thank you. That distracted me. <laughs> tells, about, he tells about Peter. He tells him about some other, uh, anyways, he continues until uh, finally the guy, the guy uh, sits down, he sits beside him, and he's like, why are you following me around? He said, because I really believe that God has something good for you. And the guy began to cry, and he said, you know, I, uh, I just was, uh, this week was dishonorably discharged from the Navy after 20 years. Did something wrong, I spent time in prison, and I haven't been able to tell my family. They think I'm still in San Diego, and, I, and I'm just here completely depressed. And... Uh, so he shared uh, the gospel with him. He came to Christ, and uh, afterwards he, he was beaming, and he said, you know, I, I now feel like I can go face my family and tell them the truth and deal with this. And so, you know, here's this guy. He was pushy, right? He was pushy, but appropriate. Uh, but he took, he took uh, if he hadn't been persistent, that guy wouldn't have put his faith in Christ. One more story, and then I end. Uh, this is the story of Emmanuel. Emmanuel was, uh, is a Nigerian, uh, and he, he grew up hating Christians and hating their Christ. In fact, in his town, he organized and led persecution of Christians. One day, uh, a Christian knocked on the door of his house, begins to share Christ with him, and Emmanuel it, it just is furious and uh, begins to yell and scream at him and but the guy comes back the next day and the next day and he comes back four times and finally Emmanuel is like, why does this guy keep coming back? And he decides, I'm going to just go to church. And uh, he goes to the church, he hears about Christ, he becomes a Christian. And now he says, had that guy not been willing to incur my wrath, you know, my anger, my uh, uh, just spewing all kinds of mean things and taking a risk that I might get violent, I wouldn't be a Christian today. And he's very thankful. So uh, these are the kind of stories we've got to be, um, we don't want to be inappropriate, but we want to be persistent. We, we need to cultivate an attitude that says, I'm willing to suffer so that other people might be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have entrusted to us the greatest news on planet Earth. It is your church That is the bulwark and pillar of truth. If we are not upholding truth in the world, who will? You've entrusted that responsibility to us. And Lord, um, may all of us this week be prayerfully asking you, God, uh, how might I talk about Jesus at work this week? How might I talk about Jesus uh, at school to my friends, to my family? Uh, Lord, give me um, boldness. Give me opportunities and then give me the boldness to step into it. Lord, we commit ourselves to preparing, uh, doing, doing some advanced work so that we are ready to seize the opportunities when you give them to us. Study 
Show yourself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Lord, uh, even our effort of preparation is, a, is, um, is some suffering that we choose to step into for the sake of other people. And Lord, we, just, we are so thankful that you have called us into this ministry partnership with you that we get to be involved in the most important uh, thing on planet Earth. Thank you for calling us into that spirit of God. Help us to do it well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.